prayers that we today have elevated before him. We have asked him to bless the family of the apostle of Jesus Christ. We have asked him to help as well. All the ministerial corps, the pastors, the deacons and the bishops and the overseers and the battalions as well. May the Lord continue to help them all. Today and this afternoon, brethren, I wanted to remember a specific topic that the Spirit of the Lord has inspired. This topic for our brethren that I'd like to write down the, the name of the topic is how must we offer worship? Amen. The main topic is how must we offer worship? And the subtopic is what the Lord seeks in his true worshipers. Once again, how we must offer worship and what the Lord seeks in his true worshipers. I would like to start reading John 4, chapter 20, verse 23, a verse that we read uh, this week, and we've been remembering it. It says like this, for the honor and for the glory of the Lord. Amen. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where, we, where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Amen. May this be for the honor and the glory of the Lord. I invite you, brethren, to take your seat. And God pay you for your reverence to the remembrance of the word of the Lord. Amen. As we said, we're going to remember this topic of worship. How we must offer our worship to the Lord. Because since the beginning, God always desired man to worship him. Amen. As we remember, worship is the recognition, that gratitude for God's mercy, love, forgiveness, and so many other blessings he gives us. God gave his people, Israel, laws that are about worship. He gave them 316 laws, if I'm not mistaken. And some of those laws had to do with worship. That when they, that when they would present themselves before God, they would go with an offering. These offerings range from cakes baked with flour and oil of a specific type, not just any flour and oil. Animal sacrifices were also offered with specific details and even to clean themselves with water before they entered the temple. In the book of Exodus, chapter 29, verses 1 through 4, I want to corroborate what we're talking about, about the laws that the Spirit of the Lord had gave to Moses to give to the people of Israel about worshiping and giving offerings. Once again, Exodus chapter 29, verses one through four, says like this for the glory of God. And this is what you shall do to them to hollow them for ministering to me as priests. Take one young bull and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, you shall make them of wheat flour, 
You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bull and two, and the two rams. And Aaron and his, and his sons, you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and you shall wash them with water for the honor and the glory of the Lord. Once again, we're remembering the topic of worship, how we must offer worship and what the Lord seeks in his true worshipers. And we were saying that the Lord he was very specific with how he wanted to be worshipped. What type of sacrifices to offer. And let us make a question for ourselves. Let us ask ourselves a question. If the people of Israel decided to make those cakes, those unleavened cakes, with a different type of flour than the flour that God had told them to make them out of, would it be acceptable before the Lord? Or if they took a, a bull of two years instead of one years, would that be acceptable before the Lord? The Lord is very specific. God is a God that knows what he wants and how he wants it done. He asks for the animals to be one years of age and without blemish. This means that the priests, that the people that were seeking to offer those sacrifices had to be sure that the animal they were going to take and sacrifice had to be without a blemish. So they, without a doubt, began to look and see, does this animal that is pure white, does it have any spots, any blemishes? Does it have any defects in its body? And they began to look for it in, in, in different areas to make sure that what they were going to offer to God was exactly what he wanted because they understood God is a God that knows exactly what he wants and he asks for it and he wants it exactly how he wants it. He even has the priests of his time or that time to wear specific garments made of special materials and they would play the instruments that God wanted for his worship. The scriptures testify this to us that in the old covenant, God allowed and wanted this type of worship. Worshipping with instruments, worshipping with, with animals, uh, uh, and, and sacrificing the animals, and offering cakes of unleavened bread to God. That's what they would offer at the altar as a burnt offering to the Lord. In the new covenant that he has with us, Christ spoke saying, The hour is coming and now is that the true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. God wants the new worship in his new covenant to be in spirit and in truth. In the Old Testament, in the old covenant, it was a material worship. Today we enjoy the new covenant with which we offer to God in Christ in a spiritual worship. Let us look at the material worship in the new covenant so that afterwards we can look at the worship that we offer to our Lord in this time and age. De Deuteronomy chapter 26 Verses 9 through 10. Once again, Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 9 through 10. It says, for the glory of the Lord. He has brought us to this place and has given us this land. A land flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God Amen. for the honor and for the glory of the Lord. Amen. What are we seeing here? 
We are seeing here the way that the Israelites, I'm going to give the verse one more time, Deuteronomy 26, 9 through 10. We are seeing the way that the Israelites offer their offerings. What's the first step? There are two steps in which they offered what they offered to the Lord. First, they had to gather and prepare what they were going to offer. If it was going to be fruits, they would gather their fruits in a basket. If it was going to be a, a certain type of bread, well, they had to make the bread, make sure that it was the right way that it was supposed to be done with the right oil, and they prepared it. The second step was going and offering it in worship to the Lord. So there's two steps that we must take into consideration. The preparation of the offering and the offering itself in worship to the Lord. We understand that the Lord wanted this from the Israelites. Not just to offer their sacrifices just because, but to be thoughtful in what they were doing. To not be robots or to only serve Him because of tradition. If that was the case, He would have taken away their free will so that they had no choice but to serve Him the way that, they, that, that He wanted them to. Because today... Or the Lord has decided in all moments to give man free will. He has given us the option. He's telling us what he wants. And he leaves it up to our will to do his will. That is what he told the Israelites. I am, leaving, I am putting before you life and death. He's giving us the options. But he's telling us, you can choose what you want. You want to choose death? Choose death. You want to choose life? Choose life. But I implore you, choose life so that you may live. And today... It's the same with worship. He's setting before them a way that he wants that. To be prepared in a specific order, in a specific way that pleases him. Because then afterwards, they're going to offer it to the Lord as a sacrifice and worship him. But this is where Israel began to fail. For a time, they did it correctly. But this is where they began to fail. They offered gifts but did not do it because of their gratitude. They did it out of tradition. Aside from this, God could see their hearts that even though they served God with their exterior uh, physical body, they, 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 they went to the temple, they offered their sacrifices, they prepared their sacrifices, but they didn't put their heart into it. They didn't do it out of gratitude. And if you ask them, why are you serving the Lord? Because this is what my father taught me and his father taught him and his father taught him. But why are you doing this? I don't know. This is how we've always done it. There was no understanding. There was no reason in them. They only did it out of tradition. Their service that they presented was like Cain's. Their heart wasn't in it. Their deeds were wicked. Let us read in Isaiah chapter 29 verse 13. It says, for the, for the honor and for the glory of the Lord. Isaiah 29, 13. Therefore, the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. Once again, let us read what we've read. Inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, what is the Lord saying? He says he sees them worshiping him from the outside. But he says from the inside, 
their hearts are far away from me. And their fear towards me, the respect that they should have, is only a respect that they learn by the commandments of men, not by, 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 by experience, not by, by actually fearing the Lord. Why do you fear the Lord? Because my parents taught me to fear the Lord. Because my rabbi tells me to fear the Lord. Do you, why, why, why do you offer these sacrifices? Why do you worship in this manner? Because, uh, I don't know, this is how it's always been done. Why do you offer it this way? And it says that later on, they wouldn't even offer what the Lord wanted. It says that they began to offer animals, yes, but animals with blemishes. And even the Lord says, you have robbed me in this way, my sacrifices. Offer that animal that you're offering me to your prince and see if he will accept it. Offer that animal that perhaps has a missing leg. When I'm asking you to give me an animal without blemish. Without any physical deformity, that's what I'm asking of you. But go ahead, take that animal that you're offering me as your God and offer it before your king and see if it will please him. Brethren, the Lord was unhappy with the Israelites because, yes, they served him on the outside, but their hearts were where? They were far away. They were not truly worshiping them or him in their hearts. How did the Lord feel about this issue? Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. Prophet Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. Says for the honor and for the glory of the Lord. Amen. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow, and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with 10,000 rams, or with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Brethren, the prophet here is speaking to the people, and he's saying, is the Lord going to be happy if I bring him 10,000 sacrifices of rams? Is he going to be pleased if I bring him this animal that's one year old? Is he going to be happy if I took 10,000 vials or bottles of oil and poured it out before him? Is he really going to be happy? The answer is in verse 8. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Remember what David said, brethren, in Psalms chapter 51. He said, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it to you. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. And only when we humble our hearts and ask for forgiveness then will God look happily on our sacrifices that we offer Him. What does the Lord want from us? More than the offerings that we can give Him, or in that time that the Israelites could give Him, those burnt offerings, those animals, those breads, those, those different things that He was commanding them to give Him. What did the Lord delight in more? That they gave Him these sacrifices, or that they lived righteously? That they lived humbly? That they humbled themselves before the Lord? That they recognized themselves? That they, they were merciful to their brethren? 
remember what the Lord Jesus said, to love our God over all things. And to love your neighbor as you love yourself, because between these two commandments depends the whole law and the prophets. He basically summed up the law in those two commandments, to love God over all things. Because if I love my God, I will follow all His commandments. If I love my God, I will have no other God before Him. And if I love my neighbor, I would not desire what he has. I would not treat him badly. I would not do anything wrong to him. I would live justly if I followed these two commandments. The commandments of love. To love our God and to love our neighbor. But that was the issue with Israel. That they followed all the other commandments. That they desired to to basically just give a very shallow service to their God. And that is why their worship, their offerings came to be just like Cain's. Because Cain, on the outside, served the Lord. Because it says that he went and offered his fruits before God, just like Abel did, without a doubt, just like all his other brethren did. But why was it that the Lord looked pleasingly and happily on Abel's sacrifice and not on Cain's? Let us read it. It says, brethren... Let me find the verse real quick. It says in 1st of John, chapter 3, verse 12. 1st of John, chapter 3, verse 12 says, For the glory of God, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. There's the reason why God didn't look with pleasure upon Cain's offering. And the reason why God looked with happiness and pleasure upon Abel's offering. Because even though Cain offered him the first fruits of his field, and Abel offered him a, a lamb that was for, the firstborn lamb without a, without a stain, the Lord would have been willing to, to, to receive both of them. But he saw the hearts of both men. He saw that Abel's heart was righteous was good, that he didn't just uh, uh, want to serve God on the outside, but on the inside in all moment of his life, not just when he was presenting him something, not just when he he would come to worship, but even when he's in the field. When he's amongst his brethren, when he's with his family, when he's out working, when he's when he's at home. In all moments, Abel's life was pleasing to God. But Cain's, it says that his that his actions, that his works were evil from the beginning. Why is that? So then that is the reason why that the Lord didn't look upon Cain's offering with happiness because he saw his heart and said, you offer me these things and I would accept them. And remember what God said, if you would do what was righteous, you would be praised. But sin is at the door and it is you that must become master of it so that it doesn't take control of you. Brethren, that was the whole reason why Cain Cain's offering wasn't pleasing because his life was not pleasing before God. His entire life, his actions, his deeds, the way that he lived. So what then do we have to do? As the true worshipers of God, how does he want us to worship him? Yes, we're supposed to come here. Yes, we're supposed to bow down. Yes, there's also sacrifices that we should offer him as well. Not the same ones that were offered in the past, but the new ones that were established for us. But how should our heart be? How should our life be in the world? 
When we come, when we come here and then we leave afterwards to go back home, how should our life be at home? Should it not be righteous? Should it not be merciful? Shall we not live humbly? Shall we not also seek to do the, God, the Lord's will and our job as well? In our school? Wherever we go in all moments that when people see us, they may say, there goes a child of God. How? Because when I see him, he, he isn't like the people in the, in the world. He's not like the people that are around him. They don't speak the same way. They don't think the same way. They don't even direct. Uh, they, 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 they speak with such uh, humbleness, with such uh, respect to one another. And their feelings and their hearts are, are pure and innocent. How should our life be then? Remember what David said, For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. In the new covenant, in our time now, we also have to prepare our offerings, our worship. There is a preparation and consecration that we do before we even offer our worship. Just like in the old covenant, they had to prepare their gifts before offering them. In this new covenant, it is the it is in this new time we have to prepare our offerings for worship. Why? Because it says, brethren, let us read the book of Psalms, chapter twenty-four, verses three to six. King David said, "For the honor and for the glory of the Lord, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands." And a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, Salah. What is King David asking? When we do our service and reunions, we do it with a purpose to worship God and his son Jesus. And if we are to praise them and worship, we must be of clean hands. Who will ascend into the holy hill of the Lord? We desire in our souls to ascend to that mountain, to be with him. We're not, it's not a physical mountain that we're going to go to and we're, and we're going to hike. No, it's a spiritual mountain that's placed before us. When we come to this place, this is the base of that mountain. And when we begin our service, our, our, in the beginning, we have a preparation. That's why we pray. That's why we sing. That's why we pray multiple times to ask the Lord for his help. Because we're trying to get to the, to, the, to the maximum part of that hill, to the top of the hill. In our consecration, we understand, first and foremost, that we need forgiveness. We need his help, his hand to clean us and to be clean cups of honor for God and for his son. Second of Timothy Chapter 2, verses 20 to 21. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. When we get to the house of prayer, the first prayer that we offer to the Lord is a prayer of reconciliation. Asking the Lord for forgiveness and seeking to be clean before God. This must be accompanied by a life of righteousness as well. Loving our neighbor, loving mercy, and living in humility. And after our prayer of reconciliation, we begin to sing our hymns. And then we offer our prayers and the Lord 
in his mercy, cleans us as his vessels and cups. And that is not the climax of our, of our, of our mountain. No, because he cleans us, but then he also begins to fill our cup. Do you know what he begins to fill our cup with? This moment right now, he's giving us his word, his counsel, his advice. He's giving us his word to meditate on. And that's supposed to fill the cup that he cleaned in the beginning of this prayer. He cleaned us so that it can be filled with his advice, with his love, with his word. Amen. He's pouring it out over us in this moment so that we can meditate on it. And it begins to overflow. And after we finish this, we pass from that moment of meditation to our prayer of worship. We offer him our life, our hearts. And we raise, finally, our clean hands to praise Him, the only true living God and His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. The prayer of worship is not the last thing we do. It's the, it's the moment that we're, that, 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 that we're trying to strive for, the climax of our reunion. When we begin our reunion with our first prayer, that's when we start to climb that spiritual mountain, the hill of the Lord. We have reached the top of his holy hill, and we find him there waiting for us. Amen. It is the meeting between God and his children and should be done and treated as such with respect and care. Brethren, do we understand the importance then of being here to do our prayer of reconciliation? Because that prayer is the first step that we take to cleaning ourselves to preparing our offerings that we're going to offer to God. That's why it's important. Some brethren think that it's okay to skip over these things, to it, it, but it's not. Because this whole moment, this whole hour, it needs to be dedicated completely. It needs to be because it's part of the offering that we're giving to the Lord. If not, we're going to end up being like the Israelites. Just saying and, and coming and serving the Lord on the outside, but our heart is where? Far away from the Lord. Or trying to offer him something that is not truly pleasing because we didn't really prepare it. How then should we be? We should come to prepare our hearts in the beginning. Asking for his mercy, asking for his forgiveness. If we know we've offended him, seeking him in truth. Amen. Not just in that moment, not just living a life of, of wickedness outside and then coming here and asking for forgiveness. No, living a life of righteousness. Obviously, there are things that we do that perhaps are hidden from us, that, that are sins. But that's why we come here and we say, Lord, if there is something, anything, because we want to be clean before him, if there is anything at all, something that happened in my mind, that slipped, that, that, a word that accidentally came out, an accident, forgive me for it. And the Lord in his mercy cleans us. But remembering that we have to live, we have to love mercy. Being merciful with our brothers and sisters being merciful with our parents, being merciful with all that surround us, loving the Lord over all things, living righteously in the world, even though we're out there in the world, we're not part of the world, but we must live. We must live according to God's will. And when we come here, we begin to offer our worship because this, remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said, the Father is seeking such to worship Him. And what is He calling us to do? To be True worshipers. I hope, brethren, that what we remembered on this day may be for the honor and for the glory of the Lord. And it's, it's a counsel that it, it helps all of us. 
It helps me. And the first person that needs to consider himself is me. Because even though I'm standing up here and speaking to my brethren, the advice comes first from me. I'm speaking to myself and I understand I perhaps have not offered the best service or worship to my Lord, but I want to strive to do better. And I think we should all strive to do better. I hope that a word or two may be helpful and may it be for the honor and for the glory of the Lord.